0: Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. If you feel like your leadership career is stuck in a rut, this is the show for you. Welcome to Beyond the Rut, the weekly podcast about inspiring and equipping you to make your own path and live the life you've always dreamed of, Beyond the Rut. I'm one of your hosts, Jerry, and in just a moment, Brandon and I are going to have a conversation with Kingsley Grant. Kingsley is the author of The Emo Intelligent Leader, as well as host of The Kingsley Grant Show, and he shares his insights on emotional intelligence, how it applies to leadership, and building great, solid teams. So we're going to be talking with him about how do you apply the principles around emotional intelligence and servant leadership to lead teams that are effective, thriving, and successful. So sit back and relax unless you're driving. In that case, we need you to stay safe out there and get to where you're going in one piece as Brandon and I have a conversation with Kingsley Grant. Here we go. All right. Hey, Brandon, how are you doing? And I'm, I'm totally curious. Um, is that a mustard stain on your T-shirt? It is actually
1: yellow paint. <laughs> From a uh, gender reveal of my oldest son. They Mm. had balloons, and you had to pop them with a dart. And they had yellow paint, and then one was supposed to be red, or what is it, blue and pink? Okay. But all the other ones were yellow. I'm relieved because I was thinking to myself. I didn't do very well. <laughs> yeah, I need to
0: find some YouTube videos and podcasts on how to eat a hot dog better <laughs> just for you, if that was mustard. So. Uh, I was okay messing up my Baylor shirt, not my A&M Okay, shirt. gotcha. So, yeah. There you go. Got your priorities straight. Um, so we have on the call with us, in this episode with us, Kingsley Grant. Uh, Kingsley is uh, – a specialist, a speaker, a coach, trainer around the idea of uh, emotional intelligence, how it applies to leadership. I had the honor of being on his show, the Kingsley Grant Show, and talking about my experience as a military leader and my current work as a uh, learning and development leader uh, in in healthcare. And so we got him on to talk about the importance of emotional intelligence, how that applies to leadership, and all that good stuff. So if you're looking to boost your career, this is the guy. Kingsley, how are you doing?
2: Hey, I'm doing fantastic, Jerry. I am just really roaring. I am ready to go to talk about what I believe is such a very important topic when it comes to leadership. And so I'm so privileged to to come on the show and join you guys because I have listened to quite a few of your episodes and just to see the different variety of people and their stories have just been so and um so thrilling so i'm excited about being here thank you for having me on the show
0: and um where are you calling in from anyway i forgot to ask that earlier
2: yeah i am in south florida in sunny sunny south florida in miami area and that's where i am Coming from today, awesome
0: and uh, great place to be. Yeah, fun fact. (laughs) Uh, A couple months ago, a few months ago, I almost paid a visit as a hurricane. So,
2: (laughs) Hurricane Jerry Jerry finally became a thing. I'm glad you didn't come our way, man. So thank you for that.
0: Uh, Story of my life, though. It was barely strong enough to be considered a hurricane. Exactly. Just like barely made it. Like Like I almost didn't graduate, but you made it. Yeah, (laughs) actually, true story. I almost didn't graduate because of um, I needed one more semester of PE. Even though I had like four years of varsity sports under my belt, didn't matter. (laughs) You need one more semester of PE or you're not going to college. I'm like, what? So (laughs)
1: Kingsley, we're glad you joined us today. I know you recently uh, announced your uh, bid for president of the United States, and and that's pretty awesome. So talk a a little bit about the (laughs) platform and –
2: yeah, I'm glad you guys are on my campaign and I'm uh, hey, heading up my uh, you know managers yeah, for my campaign. So yeah. that's great. There you go. <laughs> yeah, you know, used to it's
1: like, well someday if you work hard you can be president. Now it's kinda like, Oh, please don't run for president. Oh my it, it, gosh.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. Please don't don't demote me to that position. Exactly. Thank <laughs> you. It's like I don't I don't
1: want anybody digging through my past and everything oh, I've yeah. ever said
2: and done. It's like no I'm it, good. oh no, I, I can do that that <laughs> because my, my assorted past is what you know, I'm glad it's not out there for everyone to see and uh it's between me and god and i'm and i'm happy yeah. that it's in his hands you know
0: <laughs> there you go uh,
2: sometimes i want to run just so i can have that rebuttal
0: that was uh, in the third grade come on <laughs> i don't think anybody cares now so. <laughs>
1: you've coined a new term that emo intelligence and talk a little bit about what that came to you it's it's not based on the emo uh what is it the dark glasses and the people that are like emos Oh, like the goth and the goth yeah, kind of thing. Emo. It's a much higher thing than that. Talk a little bit about how you came up with that concept and, and what you do.
2: But thanks for asking that because I, I believe the word emotional intelligence, you know, is, you know, having studied emotional intelligence and having worked in leadership for such a long time and the skill sets that are on both sides, I have seen a lot of work done on leadership skills and a lot of work done on emotional intelligence skills, which actually, you know, it's a new concept within the last 20 years or so years. But, and um, I've seen both and I'm thinking, well, why couldn't we have a merging or a marriage of both and have them um, concurrent where it's not one or the other, but both where it's just driving the sense of relationship and people development. So I thought about the word emotion and the word intelligence and then merging those together because, you know, I've, you know, we see, of course, words like uh, infomercial, right? And yes. somebody came up and joined those two words, right? Information and commercial, right? We see brunch, you know, breakfast and lunch, and we see emoticon, you know, uh, this emotion and icon. I'm thinking, well, somebody did at some point realize the need to have both of those words working together at the same time. And so the idea came, but well, why not just put those two words together and come up with emotional intelligence, which is the art of succeeding. So it's an art skill, which means it can be learned and developed. And so it's not like something that's fixed. And so that gives me the flexibility and people who want to learn how to grow themselves, grow their people, grow their business. Emotional intelligence is the way to do that. So that's where that came from.
1: It's really important to be able to manage your emotions because yeah. as, especially as a leader, In, in just your own development, if you're not able to manage your emotions, you're going to be limited in a lot of ways wherever you want to move up in the world. How do you help people work through that kind of concept of it's okay to get angry and barrel through something? It's like your emotions can really limit you.
2: You know, one of of the ways I used to explain that because it's really simply is recognizing and regulating. So the two R's, if I can recognize something and I can regulate that. And so it's like driving on the highway and you are, you know, breaking every law, speeding, driving erratic and all those. And suddenly a state trooper pulls up beside (laughs) you. Right, and immediately our driving become we become the best drivers on the road. <laughs> right, true. our best selves have just emerged we'll at that the moment. Right, <laughs> and, and every one of us do that because a state trooper has pulled up. Well, I am seeing intelligence as that state trooper that pulls up to allow you to become your best selves, no matter what the condition might prevent. Um, be preventing, um, presenting itself. So how can you regulate your emotions is the same idea you use on the road because you know, you know to be safe, to protect yourself and others around you and to be responsible, you're going to regulate those things. So emotions is the same idea. How do I direct traffic in my head so I don't allow myself to get to do some things that create situations that I regret and hurt people and drive people away. And as a leader, I need to be able to manage that and manage my people so well that they see me as a person that they would celebrate me as a leader rather than want to get rid of me overnight.
0: And this is very important because um, there's a guy out there, Dr. Daniel Kahneman, got a 2002 Nobel Prize in economics, did a lot of research that really proved and pointed out that we as humans respond to everything around us emotionally first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then if we got enough self-awareness and self-management, right. we will go into that rational mode. But almost everything, and if you want great proof of it, um, it, you know it's, what, 2019, we're recording this. We're ramping up for another U.S. presidential election. Almost all the advertising you see, all the debating you see is driven by emotion mm-hmm. and not a whole lot of rationality to it. But then the entire marketing industry is about sparking emotion in you. Right. And it, it makes sense to be aware of that in leadership as well because, I mean, people you're, the people working under you, depending on your leadership, they need to feel safe. They need to know that you're there to take care of them so they can go take care of the mission in, in a sense. So I'm, I'm glad that we are talking about this. Anyway, I don't have a how question. Do, I'm just throwing that out there. How
1: do you start with that first R, the, the recognize? How do you teach people to recognize those kind of situations?
2: And there's an idea of self-awareness, and which is one of the first um, core concepts of emotional intelligence, really, is is being able to identify your emotions. 62% of people in the world are unable to accurately identify their emotions and label and name it, right? So we say, oh, I'm upset, I'm frustrated. Yeah, but okay, so what really is the emotion that's at play here? So if we have a majority of our people, it means that we have a, you know, we need a lot of work to do. But the idea is know yourself so well because I know myself and the triggers I have. So when I'm about to get really, really angry and everyone know, have an idea of what that is. So the back of my neck, I feel the warmth sensation. I feel like, you know, I have no hair back there, but I feel like my hair is rising up and just coming to the surface. So I know immediately my physiology tells me, Kingsley, you are about to get to a point of no return. So my self-awareness says, knowing that I need to stop myself before I get to the point of no return and rumble down that that, uh, railroad um, train line and I can't stop that locomotive, right? So um, people who are self-aware, can identify and label what that emotion is and say, okay, here is what I need to do because I realize what it has cost me in the past. I realize it's cost me relationships. It's cost me, you know, maybe money It's costing my health or it's costing me right now. So the question is in how's that working out for you? If it's not working out well, we need to do something and change that. Right. So self-awareness is that regulate that recognition part of it. And then I can start regulating what I do know. I cannot regulate what I don't know is going on.
1: And that's a great way to kind of live your life because it doesn't always have to be something bad. Maybe you're reacting to, you know, you go to a home and garden show, for instance. We just did that recently. And you see all this stuff you want to buy. And then you realize emotionally you're making this decision you're not making it rationally of, do we need it can we afford it is it even useful next thing you know you have something in your house that you paid a lot of money for maybe but <laughs> you don't enjoy cuz you're making emotional decisions how do and how, how do you many get, help people with those kind of things
2: and it's a great uh, you know I, Brandon, I, I i'm glad you mentioned that because i see that some i look around my house today and i can tell you and point to what was bought out of emotion, and I'm thinking, why did I buy that? Why did I right. even, do, you know? And we do that many times. And the point I think I find ourselves is not trying to label an emotion good or bad. It's just simply saying I have an emotion, and what does that emotion do? Because yes, when we become emotionally hijacked, because the, you know, the, our, part of our brain that operates, where the first thing we do is we're driven emotionally, and then we're trying to justify our what we do. With, uh, with logic, but logic doesn't come in first, right? right. <laughs> and we buy a car. Oh, that's a beautiful car. I mean, I just want to buy this car. And we tell our spouse or, you know, our partner or whoever, oh, yeah. And the car does like whatever car does get me from point A to point B, but I'm going to now justify it. But I didn't buy it by logic. I was emotionally attached to that car. Yeah. So I try to help people now to work on finding a way to look at what's happening within their system. What are the emotions and I would go through and help them um, identify and label properly, appropriately those emotions. For example, I quickly can just um, share this with, with you. You know, we have our um, primary colors, right? I think red, yellow, and blue are our primary colors going back to school time, right? Every other colors come from those main colors. So I say, well, emotions operate similar. So we have four primary emotions is mad, sad, glad, scared. Every other emotions come from that. So if I can find a person, find a way to help a person look-, look at the derivative of that emotion and say, okay, maybe you're angry, but what might be behind that? Frustration? Is it fatigue? Is it whatever it is, right? Then we can do something about that. So if we can really kind of um, unlayer layer what's happening, label it correctly, and that's where really they need to appropriately and accurately Identify the emotion. If I cannot do that, it's hard to work with it. So if I can help them to, to come to the point and really laser look at what's happening, now we can find practical things to do to now behave in a manner that we get an outcome or a result that's much better than we're getting right now.
1: That's a great way to approach it because if you're sad and then you go buy that car so it makes you happy and then two days later you're beating yourself up because now you're sad again because you spent money you shouldn't have spent. So that yeah. cycle doesn't <laughs> yes. break.
2: And
0: exactly. Really, really bad decision. You're stuck with that car payment yep. and you're sad again for whatever reason. You're and we, sad and about
1: like you said, they're not all bad. Some no. some may be, you know, I'm I'm really right. happy so I eat. And, yeah. and maybe I eat something that's not all that healthy. So tomorrow I suffer a little bit. So we have to recognize those in order to uh, regulate, like you said. Yes. So how do we regulate that? You, you can eat something or spend something, but do it in a, a logical way so you don't regret it later on.
2: Right. And that's why I think that during the time where your emotion is not, is not driving your behavior, is doing those times is come up with techniques and ways of saying, okay, so when I am doing, when I'm in this situation, here's what I would do. For example, I would say, Kingsley, so it's like having that third person talking to myself. Kingsley, you're getting upset. And when you're getting upset, this is what you have planned to do is to take a deep breath. Kingsley, you're getting upset when you, Decided earlier when you get upset, you would kind of step back and excuse yourself. So I'm having those conversations with Kingsley and telling him what he said he would do. What happened, I'm training my brain to create that kind of um, response, not react in a response in a very appropriate way to those triggers. And if I can give myself a space between a trigger and my response, I have a better chance of being able to do what's much more, uh, a, a better outcome. So leaders, I find in situations where they're in a, this, the, the midst of the moment and they have all these different things coming at them, they need to then find out uh, about what is it that they're happening inside of them? What emotion is taking place right now? And what, would they tell, what did they tell themselves that they would do in that moment to have a better result than they're having?
1: That is so true, especially by the uh, standard of the really great leaders in the world. They'll they'll all have that in common. They control their decision-making and emotions in order to make make it based on fact. Because when you're buying things or, say, you're a major CEO or something, you're making business decisions, a really good story could cause you to invest this way or move this way, Yes, even though – Option B is a much better idea, but you're emotionally reacting Mm -hmm. to the story, not the logic
0: of the actual evidence. Yeah, I know for me, two triggers that I tend to have are, number one, um, the last minute I have an emergency, (laughs) and they present it to you like it's a dire emergency, but when you dig deeper, it's – You didn't plan at all, and you didn't check your stuff before this happened. So now you're throwing an emergency at me, and it's somebody else's fault, of course. But it's really your fault because you didn't do any of your checks. Like, that is something that will tick me off because, again, my Army experience, and this just happened the other day. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I'm like, deep breath. Mm -hmm. And the important thing is I help this person get the result because that ultimately serves our customer, serves me, yeah. uh, because I keep my job, that kind of thing. But the other trigger is uh, when I hear excuse after excuse that, you know, you ask somebody for something and whether it's their job or not, they're trying to give you a no, a fast. Not thought out. No, they haven't even considered if they can help you in any way, shape or form. They just want to tell you, sorry, it's policy or sorry, um, that's somebody else's job or sorry, my boss isn't here. My boss didn't tell me that. You know, all these things are not helpful, but it's coming from a place of they didn't even think about what I'm asking. And like, I don't care if it's your job or not. I asked you a question. I am, I'm expecting some kind of help in return. And that is, you know what, I I don't know how to do that, or that's not my role. But you know what, Brandon, that's, that's exactly what Brandon can do. Let me let me get you in touch with Brandon real quick. Mm-hmm. Boom, done. Great. Wasn't your job. And you helped me. It's a win win. Boom. I love it. But it, it's so frustrating when somebody doesn't go that route. So knowing that's a trigger means, I don't yell at that person. I don't tell them, look, I don't care if it's your job or not. Get it done. You know, it's like, it's like okay, this person's scared for some reason and they're frustrated. So take a step back, but they, I still need that person's help. So let yep. me approach Absolutely. it a different way. So
2: that, that's I think and that why I find it's important. Sometimes there a simple question of like, you know, so, so what makes you say that? And in mm-hmm. a, a, a very inquiry, I wanted to really get to the bottom of, because their no might have something behind it that yeah. really mm-hmm. I need to find out. So if I'm, as a leader, can take a deep breath and just say, hey, become very curious, right? So I talk about in my book, the curiosity, the curious leader, he or she have to, at those moments, become curious. What's behind the no? So if I say to that person, so um, Jerry, you know, what, what makes you say that? What makes you say no? So now they're realizing, okay, they have to give me an answer beyond just Mm -hmm. a one-word answer, right? So, an open-ended question. Now they might tell me something that makes me understand why are the contents, the context behind their know that may make sense. It could be fear. It could be whatever it is. And I can help walk them through that process. And that's why I think leaders, is so important for them to become more intelligent even in these moments of interaction with their people.
1: Yeah. So what brought you to this, wanting to write this book and kind of explore this area of emotional intelligence?
2: That's a great question. Thank you for asking, because I find that for me, having all these years of being in both in leadership and being led by others and being frustrated on both ends, <laughs> I, re- you know, I realized that, OK, you, I have worked with people, you know, um, from, I'm, I'm a psychotherapist as a background. So I've worked with over, you know, five thousand plus families and counting and that's just being conservative. But I find that one-on-one working with people and seeing their frustrations, and I'm thinking, okay, if leaders are these people who have who have direct contact with these people, could really find a way to influence them in a better way. Like John Maxwell says, leadership is influence, and everything rises and falls on leaders on leadership. How can I do one to many? And so the idea of going deep in, um, in, with my leadership, and then deciding, well, you know, the way to communicate in a manner that. To, um, to for people to listen is to join in with this new movement that you know Daniel Goldman kind of brought to the marketplace in 1995 called Emotional Intelligence. And I said, well, that sounds to be a marketplace idea that is now um, allowing me to use that umbrella to speak to corporate, speak to business people, speak to any organization with its, with its leaders of three or more people being led to have them realize that if they can create an, uh, a, um, a workplace setting that people are happy to go to and people are thrilled to go to, you can create a better world. So I'm on this quest to change the world one skill at a time. If we can get leaders to get their skill set up and workers to get their skill sets up, we could change the world. So that's my mission. And that's awesome. why I wrote the book.
1: How has this helped you in your own family, just, just in leading your family?
2: You know, I I wrote a book years ago about forgiveness, two steps of forgive when your heart says yes and your head says no. And that came because of my uh, experience I had with my son when he was much younger. And I blew up and I exploded on him. And I realized how I kind of crushed his spirit right there before my very eyes. And that became a, an eye opener for me. I had to apologize. And I wrote about in that book, but I really had to work through that process because i know and that really stood out to me this is years ago but i realized what my uncontrollable moment did and could have done had i not recognized it at that moment and did something about it i had to go to him and apologize. Now I'm from a Jamaican background where, you know, <laughs> men and a man, you know, we don't apologize. We, you know, yeah. we are a man, right? Yeah. We don't get things wrong. <laughs> we do everything right from yeah. heaven, right? So <laughs> um I realized what I had done and I had to go to my son. That began a journey for me of realizing that I too have blown. I and mean, when I became a leader in my own setting where I had all these people working for me as volunteers and paid, I'm thinking, you know. I realized many times I explode here and there, but I recognize it immediately. And that really was put in place with my own son. So that's where my whole birth, this whole idea of sensitivity, recognition and regulation came from. And I'm still in the process. I'm not there yet. (laughs) I'm not perfect yet. So I still have my moments. But the good part is I recognize it and I can do something about it when those things happen.
1: That's really good because just from a practical standpoint, you can lose a really good employee and maybe never get the opportunity to go back and say, you know, I was wrong. I, I emotionally reacted instead of logically, whereas with your son, at least you had a, an opportunity to go back. Right. Some, some employees will just leave and they'll never yes. tell you why. And, and yes. so recognizing that can help you financially not lose the staff that you really want around you or the relationship or whatever it is.
2: And, and when, they, when they lose those, which they do, and I, you know, the, the numbers, the stats, the research shows that when people leave because of those reasons, to replace that person, you know, it's really a very expensive process. Mm-hmm. And, it, and not only to replace them, but to train them and get up to speed and get that, that chemistry flowing again, it really, really is a major disruption. And it could have been avoided if a leader had learned how to recognize his or her emotion and regulate it so that they can manage. Because three things I believe that what my emotional intelligence leadership model does, it teaches people how to make better decisions, how to manage relationships better, and how to be a better job, to perform better on the job. And I'm thinking if you can do those three things, you have a great advantage upon uh, other leaders in the, in the marketplace.
1: And one of the things you had mentioned on your, on your website was most people who leave, leave a person, not the position. Oh, yeah. Yes. So you even if you replace job, yeah. them, then you're yeah. still there. So you're going to yeah. blow this again if you don't yeah. understand how to
0: operate there. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Capshow to repurpose and market your content if you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long form content like podcast episodes or YouTube videos into CapShow and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. CapShow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show.
2: Exactly. And I, I see it so often. And I, I think we're, we're especially because of the, the marketplace where millennials and Gen Zs are the major workforce now, you can't lead the way you used to lead in the past. And I, I'm right. telling leaders now, hey, your leadership skills have to be updated like anything else. You know, you look at your, your phone in your hand. I mean, Apple just released a new update on their iOS because they realized they have to keep on updating things. Leadership has to be updated. And so my whole idea is let's redefine leadership so it can fit modern day um, workplace or people you're leading and you have to lead differently. But what does that look like? I'm saying the model has to be a more intelligence, which is a seven step model or a seven skill model that says, if you lead this way, you have a better chance of succeeding where others failed. That's
1: a great kind of uh, focus of your life too. And and if you're listening to this thinking, well, every relationship I have goes bad. Every, Every place I work, I have a horrible manager or I have a horrible staff or whatever. This is a great opportunity for you to look at your skill set. Maybe, and I'm not blaming anybody, but maybe it's you, not everybody else around you. I'll do it. But once it's, you, you. <laughs> it's you. It's you. It's <laughs> no, <kidding>. you. Don't know, kidding. <laughs> every relationship and every job you've been fired from. You know, this is a way to dig into what is your skill set that you bring to the table. How are you reacting to things? And uh, you know, I have five kids, and and at times they're like, well everybody hates me it's like no everybody doesn't even know you exist so that that's yeah. you not not them it's much more selfish than yeah, you think it's much worse than everybody's thinking about themselves they're not thinking about you of course but digging into this how can somebody get connected with you and and find out how they can start to dig out their own emotionally intelligent
2: thanks for asking that i appreciate it um kings of grant.com is where you can go and find about what me and what I do and connect with me. So, Kingsley, K I N G S L E Y, G R A N T, com is the hub for most of what I do. And also, I, I really am very much very active on social media, especially LinkedIn. And Kingsley Grant is my, you know, it just type that in, they can find me on all the social media as well. So, thanks for asking that.
1: And you also have a podcast called The Grant. Yes, The Kingsley, the Kingsley- Grant Show.
2: Yes. It, 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 the Kingsley Grand Show, where leadership and emotional intelligence intersect. That's the podcast that I have as well.
0: And I'm going to shamelessly put the interview I did with Kingsley on his show into the show notes of this episode. So, there we go. Great show,
2: a great show. A great show. You, you did a great job, Jerry. Thank you. I was yeah. going
0: to say, sometimes he has
1: guests that are a little
0: questionable, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, I was one that I wasn't. I, yeah, yeah, because he shared it on social media. That's how I, I knew go. in line. Yeah, that's
2: a, show. <laughs> it's it a, a great show. It's a great
0: show to find
1: out more about you and how people can just start to explore the the concept. Because yeah. this is something, like you said, whether you're 20 or 40 or 80, you you can update your skill set of how you react to people and, and how you see things. We're huge uh, – optimistic kind of people it's like rather than just complain let's see how much of that's just coming from me maybe my view of things
0: i'm emotionally reacting instead of you know intelligently reacting to things well the whole art of happiness though is it comes from within you first right and then that success is drawn to you the the sean acor uh book it was the art of happiness right anyway i'll i'll put that in the show notes i'll look it up put in the show notes the correct title but uh yeah if you want to be happy you got to you got to tell yourself, I'm happy today. Here's why. And then, boom, you go. Uh, I'm going to be a good leader today because I care about my people. And here's what I'm going yeah. to do to care about them. And sometimes the way you care about those people reporting to you is you do have to give them that feedback, that corrective action, the, the, the course correction, in a sense, in their yeah. behavior. Yeah. But because you're taking that attitude of I care about them, I you know, I'm gonna, you wind up respecting their dignity and giving them mm-hmm. respect as a person, I think. Yeah. So that's, you know, mindset really does play a part. I know you were trying to, like, not blame the listener, but I know I jokingly, but really not said, no, it is your fault. You know, your mindset does play a part in how you show up, I think. Yeah. Because you enter every
1: relationship, you know, and yeah. I, I love how you said, you know, people want to maybe stay at a position or a, a job and they yeah. love the work. But they just can't handle the leader emotionally reacting to Mm -hmm. everything. And so this is a great way to get a hold of this book. I love the byline, succeed where others failed. It's like you could be the one that that made this company or this organization continue forward and get to do the work you really want to do if if you help other people understand how decisions are made and, and not react emotionally over logic.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I just want to quickly mention, and uh, this other uh, quick follow up to that. I'm glad for you mentioned that both of you, because I think what happened, you know, um, Jerry was also alluding to the fact that you, have, as a leader, have to make hard decisions as well. But mm-hmm. I think that what comes is when you have a great relationship you've formed, and that's why I lay out seven, you know, of these um, the guidelines for leaders. I assembled talked about the idea of you begin with leadership is stewardship, and then you build that caring, nurturing um, relationship. Then you move into a relationship where you become transparent and vulnerable and partnership where you collaborate with people to get the best people to help you to make better decisions, right? Then you mentor people. So it's mentorship. And then you also begin to develop yourself. But the last one of the seven is Leadership is directorship, where you, as a leader, have to make very strong decisions. But when you get to that point, you have formed such a cohesive and strong relationship, people will almost say thank you because they know you have their best interest. So if you even have to say, you know, I'm sorry, we have to let you go, they know you're not doing it out of ill will. They know that you want them to succeed someplace else, and they will appreciate that. But it all came because of the relationship you have formed with them. And that's why I lay out those seven essential skills of leadership in that book. And every leader, I believe if they embrace those, they will find themselves succeeding where others failed.
1: That's such a great way to kind of wrap all this up, that relationship, because when you tell me no, I I understand. You know, I I feel like you did it for the right reasons, not because you like them better or or like me less, but you did it for the right reason. And you have that credibility now because we built that relationship. So it it makes it much harder for me to go, well, he just doesn't like me or he chose him over me. It's like these we make logical decisions. Sometimes I'm not even happy with the decision myself. Emotionally, But it was the right decision. We have to go down that, that road. I make it almost every morning when I go running. I'm, the first mile, I don't want to do it. But afterwards, I'm glad I made a logical decision, not a, a, a mental one of just quitting.
2: And that's, I think it's such a great example, uh, Brendan, You shared that just now because I think sometimes it's really how do we then get ourselves, you know, uh, motivated. That's why one of the things I help leaders to do is how to get, you know, to keep their best employees, and then how to um, supercharge and motivate, engage, and inspire those who are mm-hmm. underperformers, so everyone can get on the same page. So the leader can do what they do best, and that's to lead and to build their company or their organization.
1: That is a great way to to manage a company because sometimes your great employees know there's underperformers but you're not pulling the trigger. And so they will look for other work because you're you're trying to just ignore a problem rather than get rid of it and make the whole organization stronger. So maybe you throw money at it or whatever, but you don't deal with these issues, your good employees will seek employment elsewhere. They'll they'll move along. And they do. Yep and then then you start to wonder well what made him leave and that usually the last option you come to is maybe it was me maybe it was something i'm not doing and starting that relationship you get better dialogue so yeah. we can say hey kingsley you've got you know bob over here he's not doing anything yeah. and i feel like you're not dealing with it i feel yeah. like you're either unaware or unwilling to do the right thing here and when we have credibility i can say that and you can say thank you. I I was ignoring that problem. Let me go deal with it. That way I don't leave. Otherwise, a lot of employees are like, I'm just going to leave because you should know. I'm just going to leave. And then you never know why I really left. You just know you're stuck with that bad employee (laughs) because they'll stay forever. They don't go anywhere. That's true.
2: (laughs) Very good point.
1: Awesome. Thank you for joining us today. And and we'll put all this in the show notes. And so people can get your book and get connected with you. If they want to come have you speak to their organization or check out your podcast, you can get on there and get all the information that you need and uh, just start that relationship of learning.
2: Thank you so very much for having me. It's a privilege. It's a joy. It's, a, it's fun. You guys are great hosts. So I just enjoy the conversation. So thank you so very much.
0: If you like everything you heard in this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 213. That's right. Episode 213. There you'll find links to Kingsley Grant's website, his podcast, and so much more. We're so glad you joined us this week. And the best way you can always support our show is to share us with a friend, a family member, a coworker, or that neighbor across the street. And until next time, go live life beyond the rut. Take care.